is up, y'all. Happy weekend. Hopefully you guys are enjoying yourselves out there. I have another... This one's a little bit spicy, but it's more of like an internal spicy episode. So maybe just buckle up now. <laughs> um, also, I'm just going to throw this in here real quick. I feel like sometimes some of these topics that I talk about on my podcast, especially whenever race is involved, and I say like, hey guys, this is real. This still happens. This is a thing. This is something that is very valid to be concerned about. And I feel like a lot of times the reaction I get will be like, okay, but is it actually real? Like, does this actually happen? Isn't this more theoretical? Like, have you ever seen this? Yada, yada, yada. You know, like it's kind of downplayed. And I feel like sometimes, not everyone, but sometimes people are kind of like, okay, you're sort of making this up. You're overhyping it. This doesn't actually happen. This isn't actually real life. And to that, and those people, I have an example from yesterday. So I made some like fresh cucumber kimchi. So it's, if you guys have tried kimchi before, it is a definitely an acquired taste. It is absolutely an acquired smell as well. Kimchi is very pungent to say the least. It's a very, very strong scent. A lot of people hate it. A lot of people love it. I made like a fresh kimchi. So it's not technically fermented. It's really just cucumber and some vinegar and some red pepper flakes and whatever else, right? Green onions. So it's, it doesn't, I wouldn't even say it smells. Like if you put your nose in the bowl, then yeah, you can kind of smell like cucumber and salt and vinegar, but that's the extent of it. Like if you open your Tupperware, the whole room isn't going to smell like kimchi. And also, I know this is me saying it, so it's not super credible, but I was actually really proud of myself because it turned out really good and it tasted really good. And Daniel was like, wow, this is amazing. Like, good job. This tastes just like the restaurant kimchi, whatever, whatever. So we've been eating that and he eats it like seriously at just about every meal except breakfast. And so I pack him his lunch and stuff and I always pack him like especially if it goes with the meal, but that's almost always, I'll like pack a little side Tupperware of some kimchi for him of just, like I said, the fresh kimchi, not traditional kimchi, but like the fresh cucumber kimchi that doesn't stink. And he always eats all of it. He always eats all of his food. He's a trash can. But Friday, yesterday, he came home and he's like unpacking his lunchbox, put in the dishwasher and stuff. And they pulled out his thing of kimchi and it like was still full. It wasn't even touched. And I was like, what the heck, Daniel? You didn't eat your kimchi. And he was like, yeah, sorry. Like, I'll eat it tonight. I'll eat it right now. And I was like, why didn't you eat it? Like, you didn't like it? Like, what, you know, what was going on? Like, why didn't you eat it? He was like, oh, well, you know, my trainer was there in the office today. And so like, I didn't want to, I didn't want, basically, I kind of like drug it out of him. But he was like, I didn't want to eat it in front of her, you know, in case like, she didn't like the smell or something like that. And my heart like fell out of my butt. I'm like, Daniel, like one, that kimchi doesn't even stink. It's not real, quote unquote, real kimchi, right? So it doesn't have a true fermented stinky kimchi smell. But I was like, Daniel, you couldn't even eat your food that you like because, you know, because the girl wouldn't accept it. Maybe. And that's the crazy thing too, is because I know this girl, sweetest person. Like, without a doubt, she I'm sure she's had kimchi before, but like, not a shot. She would be like, ew, that stinks. What is that? Why are you eating that? That's weird. 
0% chance she would do or say that or think that. But it was still like, that's what I'm saying, like those tiny little seemingly insignificant systemic racism, like it is still real. And it just broke my heart because Daniel loves this kimchi. And you couldn't even eat it at lunchtime because he had a white person in there. He was like, you know, like they're white, like they don't, you know, they don't get it, blah, blah, blah. I was like, that breaks my heart. I texted my one of my really good friends and I'm like all the crying emojis. And I was like, Daniel couldn't eat his kimchi because he had a white person in the office today. And she's like, uh, yeah, welcome to the world of every single minority kid trying to eat their food at school. Like, yes, this this happens every single day. Welcome, welcome to our world. Thank you for taking off your rose-colored white privilege glasses and see that this happens to other people. And I'm just like, that's that's heartbreaking. I don't know. It's just so sad to me, you know, like the fact that this happens. It's sad. Like they let them eat their food that they want to eat. That that's all I'm asking. And like I said, now it's it's real to me because one, Daniel did that. And then two, what about if I want to pack kimchi in my daughter's lunch? She's gonna get bullied for that too at school. I don't want that. But yeah, just keep that in mind. If you're eating around people and they have food you're maybe not familiar with, maybe don't tell them it stinks. And maybe just be cognizant of it. Just some food for thought. Ah, get it? It's a pun. See, it's, see, it's funny because um, we're talking about food. Food for thought. Okay. Anyway, the true content of the episode this week. Let's get into it. Let's talk about recognizing your own triggers and actually listening to what those triggers are telling you and what we can do to move forward from that. And I want to start off with a quote. You guys know me. I have to. I love it. It's kind of two quotes. I think what happened was one of them, this first one I'm going to say, I keep seeing everywhere on social media. And I think it's kind of the watered down version of the original quote that I will also give you in a second from one of my favorite theorists and philosophers. So the first quote that we all keep hearing all the time is this. The degree to which a person can grow is directly proportional to the amount of truth he can accept about himself without running away. I love that quote. I think it's great. I think it's I think it's awesome. I feel like it sums up the whole reason why I have this podcast. And to me, what it kind of sounds like is it, like I said, it kind of sounds like the, not watered down because that sounds bad, but the rephrasing of this other quote from Friedrich Nietzsche. Have fun trying to spell that. Um, yeah, he's a philosopher. He also, we read some of his stuff for my English critical theory classes. So he's also kind of in that literary realm too. A lot of people, it, they either love him or hate him. I personally love him. I think he's got a lot of really, really, really good content out there. And sometimes people just sort of read the political stuff on top. And they're like, no, nah, that's trash. I don't believe in that. His political view. So I'm going to throw all of his works. But he's got some really good content. And this is his quote. And I just absolutely love it. So he says, quote, the strength of a person's spirit would then be measured by how much truth he could tolerate, or more precisely, to what extent he needs to have it diluted, disguised, sweetened, muted, falsified. Unquote. Isn't that just so good? I don't know. I I love it. 
I just feel like it really sums up, especially this episode that we'll be talking about, but also just, like I said, everything that I mentioned in this podcast, everything that I'm so passionate about, it's not just this person's bad, this person sucks, this person's in the wrong, shun them. It's not just that. A lot of this is internal. A lot of it is, like I said, things you just don't realize that you're doing yourself because you just never had any idea. Things I never realized I did that I was wrong because I just had no clue whatsoever. I was just ignorant to the fact. And so that's why I'm so big on just having this outlet where I can say like, hey, maybe don't make fun of how people's food smells. Point blank. I'm not saying you're a terrible human being for doing that. I'm just saying, hey, maybe this is something that you should be aware of. And with this episode, because triggers is pretty broad, right? I want to focus especially on displaced anger or anytime you're kind of where you kind of catch yourself like lashing out or just being unnecessarily out of proportion angry or upset, right? And the big thing that I've noticed within myself, that I'm working on within myself, that I think others should also, it doesn't hurt to be aware of, is really like big picture, look at why you're getting triggered. And just listen to what your triggers are telling you. And then just go from there. Because if this pregnancy has helped me with anything, it's helping me actually listen to my body for once in my life. I never did that. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? And so even just little stuff, like people would, like people would tell me like, oh, because of this symptom or that symptom, I can tell I'm going to, like, I'm going to start my period soon. I can tell from like my PMS symptoms and me. And I'm like, oh, whoops. Like I forgot to listen to that again. You know, I have, it's the weirdest thing. It's insane how girls work, but we absolutely have a Bluetooth feature and especially in the military. For some reason, females in the military, when you work together, 100% when you're in basic training, but just even just what I've noticed, coworkers in the military, you're around them enough, you sync up on your cycles. And so I literally, I would just, I would have my couple people and then after a few patterns, when I, be, when I would notice like, oh, hey, they, they're on their period. I'm also on my period. So I would just listen to them. They would make a comment and be like, oh, I'm going to start my period soon. And that would be my indicator of like, oh, should probably start packing tampons because I'm going to get my period soon. And, you know, bigger picture, I'm a grown ass adult. I should probably know my body better. Yes, that is the correct answer you're probably thinking. But I never listened to my body. I never drank water ever. And my body got so used to being so dehydrated that it would just survive and thrive on no liquids ever. I literally just wouldn't get thirsty or more realistically, I probably did get thirsty and I just ignored those basic human cues for whatever reason because I was too preoccupied on doing something else that I found more important. But anyway, where I'm going with this is... It's so crazy now because now with my body, it's like, I I don't know, it's the weirdest thing, but it's like, I feel so in tune with my body. Like when I'm working out, I can feel like, okay, hey, this is a good exercise to do being pregnant or this one, absolutely no. Like not a shot. This is bad for your body. Don't do it. Cut it out completely. 
or like, hey, this position is good for sleeping. This one is not. This is, this is food that's good for your body. That's fuel. Crave it. Enjoy it. Get more of it. This food, not so good. It's going to give you indigestion. It's going to make your stomach hurt. It's going to give you a headache, whatever the case may be. Oh, you're thirsty, thirsty? Let me help you with that. It's so crazy because, yeah, I just, I feel like I'm actually listening to my body now for once in my life. And I think that, I mean, take out the pregnancy piece, but I think that our bodies are naturally really cool about that because they do tell you exactly what you need. Like, you know what I mean? Pain is a signal. It's a check engine light. I feel like that's the best example of it, like the best analogy. If your check engine light comes on in your car, you have two options, right? Well, three options, actually, now that I think about it. One, you can just ignore it, which is what I always did. If we're going with the body analogy, I just ignored the check engine lights that were on. Or you can do the the devious route and you can recalibrate your system, if that's your, your tire pressure, whatever, and just lie to your car and say, oh yeah, I changed it. And then it'll go off for two seconds and then, you know, come back on eventually when the problem's not actually fixed. Or the third option, you can take your car in and fix it. The oil light comes on, change your oil. Tire pressure light comes on, you adjust your tire pressure. Simple fix, right? And I think that in our bodies, it's the same way. Like if you're getting cramps all the time, It's your body telling you, hey, I don't have enough electrolytes, I don't have enough salt, I don't have whatever, enough magnesium, potassium, whatever the case may be. Hey, I have a headache. The headache isn't the problem. The headache is telling you there's a problem in your body. The headache is telling you, hey, you're not sleeping enough, you're not drinking enough water, you've got high blood pressure or any number of causes, right? And it's just, it's like a cool little check engine light. It's just a warning survival mechanism for your body. And personally, I think that your body does the same thing with not just physical pain, but also with emotional pain. All of our triggers, when we get so upset or angry or worried or stressed or anything, it's your body telling you, hey, something isn't right. Something's wrong. And so, yes, you can ignore it. Yes, you can trick it into going away until it comes back or you can solve it, right? That's kind of the way I see it. And one thing I do want to add right off the bat in this episode is my tentative use of the word trigger. I'm a little bit torn on this subject, I'm not going to lie, and the use of the word trigger specifically because so part of me thinks it's great that we're finally almost at the point where the general public can talk openly about emotional neglect, abuse, therapy speech, all of these terms we hear thrown around all the time, especially like with that middle ground of emotional trauma or neglect. Okay, so maybe your parents didn't rape you. Maybe they didn't torture you. But it's still, if there was still some form of neglect or trauma, that neglect or trauma is still present. It still had lasting effects on you. And so I don't like when we undermine it and we say, oh, well, it wasn't that bad. It doesn't really count as trauma because, you know, I wasn't murdered. It's still some form of trauma. And so part of me is like, yeah, you know, like it's good that we're talking about this. It's good that it's kind of common speech now, especially in social media, 
because we shouldn't be undermining the severity or the impact that these things absolutely do have on adults now. However, however, I can also see where we are maybe on a slippery slope of downplaying the subject and sprinkling in too much therapy speech in social media in context where it just doesn't frankly apply. Like trauma bonding. We all, we don't understand this. The general public doesn't understand the correct term and the correct meaning of trauma bonding. We think we know what it means. It's nine times out of 10 when I hear it used in social media, it's used incorrectly. Side note. So yeah, I mean like if everything is a trigger, nothing is a trigger anymore, right? If everyone and everything is toxic, then it kind of diminishes the significance of truly toxic environments. Are you actually setting boundaries and practicing self-care? Or are you just avoiding conflict by cutting everyone off without an explanation? Are you just being a selfish asshole? You know what I mean? And so like I've said before, like we're human, so it's tough for us to have anything nice because we have a tendency to just wreck it all. So keep that in mind this episode when I say triggers. Everything is about context, right? Maybe in some of these examples, it wouldn't be considered a true trigger. I don't know because I'm not a licensed therapist. And these examples I'm bringing up are just that. They're just examples. But I'm at a loss for better terminology, so we're just going to go with it, right? So I've seen a lot, a lot, a lot of videos on social media lately about new parents especially struggling with things like parental triggers with from their kids especially when they maybe feel like they didn't have the best childhood or if they didn't have the best closure or relationship with their parents their caregivers whatever and apparently it's like I've seen a lot of videos of new parents kind of warning other expecting parents like hey Be emotionally prepared for this. Maybe start doing the work now because it is very difficult if you have this sort of upbringing or this background and for a variety of reasons. And they said like it's very, very, very easy to get sucked into a super negative, unhealthy mindset. And so one, they said it can bring up a lot of past hurt and resentment because You see your perfect little tiny chicken nugget and you love them with all of your heart and you're so fully absorbed in them and you love them unconditionally and you can't imagine life without them. All of these like overwhelmingly positive feelings, right? And their advice was like, hey, for some people who didn't have that childhood, that didn't have that type of upbringing, or who were neglected or abandoned, they feel all of that fresh pain all over again because they see how, you know, quote unquote, easy it is to love their child and they wonder, okay, why why weren't my parents, why weren't my caregivers able to give me that unconditional love and support? That's all they had to do. Like, why wasn't I enough? Why couldn't they just love me? And so that side of things... I've heard can be pretty difficult to come to terms with postpartum. And then the other example I see a lot of parental triggers is parents, especially new parents, it seems like um, 
they get really triggered and they get very upset with their kid when their kid has a temper tantrum specifically. And let's be real, if the kid is, you know, if they're like infant, toddler, whatever, having a temper tantrum, that is well within their developmental range. Babies and infants and toddlers, they don't know how to emotionally regulate themselves yet. That concept is not even, the the brain cells to absorb that concept are not developed or even remotely matured enough yet. So you can't expect a toddler, per se, to be an emotionally intelligent little human. Because from what I've read, if they are an emotionally intelligent human at that young of an age, that's usually an indicator like, hey, something's a little bit off developmentally. So yeah, you've got an infant, you got a little baby toddler, they're cold or they're sleepy or they're overstimulated or their shirt itches their back or whatever. One little thing is off. So they scream, they throw fit, they have a temper tantrum. And the parent will find themselves freaking out on that kid essentially for having said temper tantrum. Like they feel a lot of emotions themselves, a range of emotions. And that's where that, you know, that trigger comes in. And so really take a step back and be like, okay, why am I triggered? Because my one and a half year old is screaming right now for seemingly no reason. And so I did some research on it. Like I said, I've been reading a lot of content on this, watching a lot of videos and stuff. And according to a lot of studies and parents, which I will say I think is a credible source in this case, they're saying they're triggered by their kid's outburst because when they were young, they were punished or shamed for acting out, for doing those exact same behaviors. So they remember that and either A, they involuntarily reject that behavior in their kids because they don't want their kids to feel that punishment or feel that shame. And so they kind of, it seems kind of backwards, but they end up lashing out at their kid to try to protect the kid. It's just, it's chaos, right? And all this, again, is happening in a split second instant reaction. It's not like the parent is saying, wow, look at my cute little kid screaming her little head off Let me scream at her. I think that will fix this issue. No, of course not. No parent intentionally does that. They're also sleep deprived. They're also overstimulated. They're also have a million and one other things going on. All this is happening immediately, instantaneously, and well, 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 deep down within their own subconscious. And those feelings just kind of bubble out. And the other you know, kind of more scientific or I guess in this case, like a therapeutic response that I've read is that the parent's body and subconscious remembers how it felt during that tantrum when they were a child and they feel all of those feelings of punishment, guilt, shame, neglect. They feel them all over again as an adult. Just like Pavlov's dog with the bell, their body has the same physiological response to the stimulus Because their body remembers it, even if they maybe don't themselves remember it. Or, you know, they don't have those core memories. Again, this is not like a conscious decision where parents are being like, Hmm, I remember when I was a year and a half on a Tuesday and I didn't feel good. So I cried and then my mom said this. No, of course not. 
but just that immediate gut instinct reaction your body remembers a lot more than what I think we give it credit for. And I can attest to this as a fact because my training instructor in basic training, absolutely terrifying. The most intimidating man, so scary, literally never smiled. And I saw him years and years and years later. I saw him walking down the hall from me, coming towards me. I saw him walking in the hospital and my heart literally like skipped a beat. Like my heart started pounding. I felt immediate fear in my stomach and I didn't even recognize him. I didn't know who he was, but I remember being like, what the hell? Why am I scared of this person right now? Like what is happening? Am I having a heart attack? Did I really drink that much monster today? This is the end. This is how I die. We passed, not a single word exchanged. And then I'm like racking my brain afterwards. And I was like, oh my God, that was my TI. That's why I was instinctively scared when I saw him. My body remembered, I didn't remember. So yeah, I think it's absolutely real. But yeah, back to my examples. And yes, I'm using, you know, parent and kid examples because that's what I'm kind of the most focused on right now. But there are other things too in my life that I've been really trying to work on and trying to notice like, okay, I I notice I always get triggered. I always get these strong, powerful emotions whenever this happens or whenever someone says this or whenever that happens. And so I have been trying to really dig into why that's happening so that way I can... <laughs> stop it from happening because isn't that what we all want like we all want to be happy you know we we all want to be happy healthy little humans and it was really cool because I was talking to some of our friends about this honestly just like listening to your own triggers and your own bodily reactions to things to kind of figure out what's going on deep down and my friend like gave this story and he's like yeah you know honestly I caught myself doing that and I kind of figured it out. So the gym he goes to is technically only for, because it's on base. So it's only technically for active duty people and that's it. Um, There's not like a scanner or anything. It's just kind of like an honor system that only active duty use the gym. And my friend goes really early in the morning where there nobody is there, right? It's just empty. And he said for a while there, there was this dad who was military and he was bringing his little kid. Like, I don't know. I can't remember how old the kid was. He was like working out age, you know? And it was literally, it'd only be the three of them in there because it's, you know, butt crack of dawn. So the dad and the son not bothering anybody, not taking up a bunch of equipment. It's not like... You know, you're going at 5 p.m. where, okay, now this kid is taking up equipment for an active duty member. That was not the case at all. Like, they literally were not hurting anybody. And they would go in there and, like, they were working out together. And my friend was saying he could tell, like, just looking at their interactions and stuff, he could see that the dad was very supportive of the kid. He was helping him learn. He was showing him good form, all this stuff. And my friend was like, yeah, you know, I was, like, getting mad at it. And he was like, I couldn't figure out why, because they're not bothering me. Like I'm doing my own workout, you know, in the other area. They're not bothering anybody else. Like, why do I care if this kid and his dad are in the gym? Like, why is that bothering me so much? Because he said he was like, he was like 
affecting me. It was like making me angry. And so it was so cool because he was like, yeah, you know, I like really thought about it and dug down. And the reason he came up with was that, or like what he thought it was, was because he was like, I always, when I was a kid, when I was a teenager and, you know, trying to get into lifting and working out and stuff, I always wished that my dad would have showed me how to do some of this stuff. Or like, I wish I had a mentor or someone there that could show me, hey, do these workouts, do this, do that. Here's good form. But he didn't have that. He was kind of just like a lone wolf in the gym. And so he was like, I think that's why it bugs me so much. He was like, I'm like jealous of that kid that he has that role model and he has that person and I never had that person growing up. And I'm just like, damn, dude, good for you. You know what I mean? But like, this is this is what we're supposed to be doing. Like if something upsets you deeply, it's a signal of something else deep down that needs to be resolved or healed. And so if, yes, you could go on with your life being angry at this guy and his son, but who is that really helping? Not you. It's only hurting yourself. You know what I mean? Or you could really dig down and be like, hey, why am I so, why am I so affected by this? And then you can get one, get to the real answer and the real solution and then just go from there. So all in all, personally, I just, like I said, I just think it's super important to recognize when you feel like everything is out of control or whenever you feel your emotions go from zero to a hundred over a simple phrase or just being around a specific person or anything like that and just really do some deep soul searching, figure out why that is. Because like I said, in the end, you're only hurting yourself. And the big thing that I'm personally always worried about now is that if I don't really get my shit together, I'm going to pass that down to my own little chicken nugget. And I don't want to do that. No one wants to do that. Like, I want her to be happy. I want her to have a happy life. I don't want to be the reason why she struggles or hurts. And I definitely do not want to be the primary subject in her therapy sessions, if I can at all help it. So that's just my thoughts on it. Take that for what you will. One of the articles I read for this episode, I think they kind of just summed up everything pretty well. And they said we all have different triggers and especially with the parental triggers. They said the most important part of parenting with a trigger is that you are not reacting to your child's certain ways of behaving, but you are having a reaction because of what that behavior means to you and that is triggered by your past experiences. And they go on to say it's more often about ourselves and our difficulties in processing these emotions than the child's actual behavior. So keep that in mind. If you have kids, if you want kids in the future, if this is maybe more applicable to your partner, to your spouse now, to your roommate, to your siblings, or just to your parents too, whatever the case may be, or friends, whatever. Again, I'm just showing you guys, I'm just sharing with you what I found helpful in my own personal life to make me a better, decent human being. So I'm just sharing that with y'all. Take it for what you will. But that is it for this episode. I have a super, super, super exciting surprise for you guys for next weekend's episode. I cannot wait. I think it's going to be really good. I think you guys are going to love it. And I'm very excited for it. I'm not going to spoil it, but y'all are going to want to hear this one for sure. For sure. So I will catch y'all next time. Make good choices out there, be a decent human being, work on yourself, listen to your body, maybe drink some water too, 
Even if you already drink a lot of water, maybe drink a little bit more water. It doesn't hurt. And I will catch y'all next time. Okay, bye!